the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to look at the closeout of chapter 4 in 1 Corinthians. We left off at verse 13. We'll begin verse 14. But as we look at these verses, I want, to, I want you to remember who wrote this letter. This is not just Paul's letter to the Corinthians. This is the Word of God that we're talking here. In this letter, God is revealing His heart for His children, His desire for His children. And if we just see... Paul, if we just reduce this down to Paul, then what we've done is we've reduced it down to a human relationship between teacher and student, mentor and mentee. We've lost the truth of who's really speaking to us. Now, I don't discount Paul's emotions. I don't discount his heart for these people. But it's not Paul that we should be seeing. It's not Paul that we should be hearing. Apart from Christ, Paul is just Saul the religious zealot that left kids without moms and dads as he drug them off to prison. Compassionless. We need to see this as the heart of the Father expressed through the new creation named Paul. We need to see his desire for his children. There's a reason that these letters are put in here. It's not so that we can have some appreciation for the history of the church. It's so that we can literally embrace the Father's heart concerning us, so that we can see the Father reaching out, the Father working and molding and shaping and literally doing all that He can to bring us into the truth. And what you see in this, in this letter uh, to the Corinthians, what you see very clearly is God is saying, are you going to know Me according to the flesh or are you going to know Me according to the Spirit? Are you going to live in religious flesh? Because if you are, you're no different than the Pharisee who only knew me through externals. God is blessing when everything around me is going well. God is cursing when everything is going poorly. I know God only by what I can see, feel, and know with my mind. But Jesus came that we might have a life that is abundant beyond the limitations and the failings of this flesh. And Paul is calling these people out. You see, these Corinthians were saved just like we were. They were literally passionate about truth. They were born into the kingdom of God. They saw Jesus and they were excited about Him. But what had changed? 
How did they suddenly get drawn off into divisions and factions, distortions of truth? How did they get pulled away from the center? And that's exactly what happened. What we'll hear from Paul is that he taught the same message at every church, every fellowship. His message did not change. Why? Because the truth does not change. Now we live in a day where there's denominations all around us. Different churches, different fellowships, different groups. And why is that? If we're all living to the same truth, why is there so much separation? Why is there so much division? I will tell you it's not as much about doctrine as it is about the determination of the people within the church. Because this particular group of people had assigned heads over themselves like Paul, like Cephas, which is Peter, and Apollos. All three very anointed and gifted teachers of truth. There was no doctrinal division between them. There was no doctrinal difference. How is it they could separate off this way? Because it wasn't the heads that caused the separation. The heads were simply a flag to rally around. And they were different. That being the key. So the groups gathered about and they saw themselves as different and distinct from the other groups. It was their determination to set themselves apart. Again, separation is not spiritual. Separation is a work of the flesh. It's a work of the enemy. We know that in the body of Christ, there is no separation. This is what Paul is dealing with. We see in what we see in the epistles that the heart of God, as it is expressed through, through a man who is a new creation now, who is in union with His Spirit. And now he is writing as the Spirit of God directs him. And Paul's point at the beginning of the chapter is don't be distracted by the personality. That's his point. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, where he says, See then, let us apostles be looked upon as ministering servants of Christ, as slave, stewards, trustees of the mystery, the secret purposes of God. You see, Paul wanted these people to see them as see that it, he was ministering Christ. That's what he wanted them to see, that he was ministering Christ. He was not ministering the charisma or the eloquence of flesh. He was there to present Christ and Christ alone. Paul is telling them that I'm only giving you what I have been given. I'm only bringing before you the truth that God has written in me. And listen, think about that. We immediately look at Paul and say, yeah, well, that's Paul the Apostle. How do you think God engineered you to live? What is it that you're most anxious about? What you don't know. What is it that you're most worried about? What's going to happen? How's it all going to fall out? What am I going to do about the job? What am I going to do about the kids? What am I going to do about my spouse? What am I going to do with my future? What am I going to do about my health? What am I going to do? And you see God literally instructing Paul that he will be his missionary, his mouthpiece, literally his instrument through which in union life he will minister. Well, you say, well, are you talking about two different things? No. Life. Do you imagine Christ's life to be anything but ministry? Do you? When you live in in and out of that life, what do you imagine you will be manifesting? What What do you think your life is about? What do you think you are to be to your wife, to your children, to your father, mother, your schoolmates? What do you think you are to be? The campus big boy? The cheerleader, the, the A student. Well, it's wonderful if you're, you can come up with that, but I'm going to tell you the priority is that you are ministry. 
And that happens through the life of Christ in you. If we want to see how the Father chooses to minister, if we want to see the real paradigm of ministry, and listen guys, I don't want you to be uh, categorizing ministry as just what I do as a preacher. Ministry is your life. Ministry is your breath. Ministry is why you're here. There's a ministry that takes place that, that literally you, you minister to each other and that you are ministered to. Ministry is not that complicated. What we're talking about in the way of ministry, to give you an example, I would point to the branch and the vine. You see, the vine, the life of the vine is ministry to the branch. Now, is that apart from the branch's life or is it literally the branch's life? When we point to Christ and his paradigm for ministry, we have to look, we can look at John, and I've gone through these verses with you many times. John chapter 5, verse 30, how did Jesus minister? Well, Jesus just simply said, listen, I am able to do nothing for myself independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders. Do you think that's resignation? Do you think that's just, well, I can't do anything. God's going to have to do it. Is that what he's saying there? Hmm? Is that what Jesus is saying? No. You see, here's the thing. Guys, the enemy has stolen the blessing and truth that God has given, that you have his life. And when we say, I can't do it, but he can, let us do it with praise. Let us do it with joyful expectation. Because what we do is we say, gosh, I'd just rather have what I could create. Wish the Lord could empower me and I could create it. Why don't we wake up and say, you know what, Father, I'm excited to be here on the front row of what you're going to create. What you're going to do. Look at your life. What are you anxious about right now? Are you excited about being on the front row of that right now? Are you just sitting there chewing your nails because you've forgotten who you are? Jesus said, I'm unable to do anything. I don't think he had resignation in his voice when he said that. I don't think it was a whatever statement. He says, I'm unable to do, I'm able to do nothing for myself independently of my own accord. But only as I am taught, now I like that word, taught. That means there's actually a, a teaching taking place. Taught by God, and as I get His orders, even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bidden to decide. You have choice. Every time the Spirit of God directs you, you have a choice. Jesus is saying that very same thing. He is saying, I have a choice. But this is how I live. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is right, just, righteous, because, listen, why? Is it right? Why? I'll tell you why. Because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. I will not know God according to my desire. I will not know God according to my flesh. John twelve forty nine. How did Jesus know what to say? He always seemed to say the right thing. John twelve forty nine. This is because I have never spoken of my own authority or of my own accord or as, a, as self-appointed. But the Father who sent me has Himself given me orders concerning what to say and what to tell. You know, I, I can tell you, I talk too much. I do. I talk too much. Because sometimes I am just sitting around saying things that my flesh is prompting rather than being quiet before the Lord. 
And you know what? God can give me one word, and that one word will be nurtured to me and to the people around me. And all that other stuff is just garbage, trash. It clutters the room. It's not truth. God ministers truth through union life. Jesus was in union with the Father as He walked this earth, and His obedience was to reveal the Father to man. That was His purpose. Paul's ministry is the exact same. This is what we're seeing Paul duplicate. Paul did not seek to minister from his flesh, but through his union life with Christ. So how in the world would Paul duplicate the ministry of Christ? By living in the same paradigm that Christ did. Christ was his life. I have been crucified with Christ. In Him, I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer Saul who lives, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. That is the principal force of my life. And the life I now live in the body, which is separate from the truth of my life, I live by faith. In other words, I believe, but the evidence of it is not always forthcoming. By adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in, regardless of what my emotions or my mind may say, the Son of God, who is my life, who loved me, I live in the truth of that love, and gave Himself up for me, there is nothing that He would not do to bring me forward in truth. And that is why all things work together for good. My good. Because of His truth. See, that's Paul. That's Paul's paradigm for ministry. Do you question what, how you're going to minister? Do you question? Well, you know what? If, if somebody were to come to you and, and you felt to a need to be obedient to this leading, and they said to you, would you come with me and would you minister in, these, in this apartment complex or would you minister with me at work or would you minister with me at the hospital? Would you you'd immediately get before Father and you would say, Father, how am I going to minister to these people? How am I going to reach out to them? And you know what? If your paradigm is to live according to flesh, to know God according to the flesh, you will immediately want God to save you from the possibility of embarrassment. You want Him to deliver you from the possibility of being less than ministerial. You'll be concerned about what your fellow believer might think about your ministry. You'll study up in order so that you can sound eloquent. Huh? I'm a preacher. I know about these things. But the reality of it is that if you're going to know God according to the Spirit, you're going to say, you know what, Father, you called me there. My guess is that you have some ministry to bring forth through me. I will not know what to say. I will not know what to do. All I ask, Father, is that they know You. That they see You. You see, Jesus is the ministry. Your hallmark words aren't. Jesus is the healing. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is all that is needed in that circumstance. That's why God called you. Why? Because Jesus is your life. You know, if I'm going to pick fruit from the vine, I always approach a branch. Well, that's the reality of what God has called you to. And the branch is not reading up on how to express fruit. This is the truth of Paul. So, as we look at Paul, do we look for what Paul contributed? Do we focus on his personality? Do we focus on his personal dip discipline and endurance? Paul would want us to see Jesus. And here's the reality, guys. If people don't see Jesus, there is no ministry. 
I don't care what word you... That's pretty tough, but it's true. It is important that we see the Father's heart in this letter, that we look to the ministry of Christ through Paul. Now, Paul, in the, in the message that we had before, in the, in the verses that we looked before, at before, Paul set forth a comparison between himself and those Corinthians that were ministering according to the flesh. And he goes through in those verses about all of the things that the apostles suffer on a daily basis. And uh, and then he points to them and he says, what do you have that you did not receive? How is it that you're reigning as kings and we're living as paupers? You see, they'd separated themselves according to the flesh. They had separated themselves according to their desires and design. What is happening as Paul, this is what is happening as Paul is, what Paul is pointing out in chapter 3, verse 11. What is happening is that these people are seeking to build the church on some other foundation than Christ. That's why they're separating out. They're seeking to build the church on something other than Christ. And Paul knows this. That's why he put in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, he says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. He tells them out front because he knows what's going on. He knows what the enemy's about. He wants, the enemy doesn't mind there being a church. He just wants that church built on something other than Jesus so that he can keep the emphasis on something other than Jesus. So he can keep God's people running around trying to create something other than Jesus so that people will only know God according to the flesh. And they'll only minister Christ according to the flesh. They had divided themselves according to the flesh of men and they were seeking to build from there. They were seeking to know God according to the flesh rather than according to the Spirit. And Paul had to remind them that the temple of God is within them. You see that? Paul had to remind them of that because they became all about externals. And Paul had to yank their neck back and say, look, 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 no, no, no. The foundation that you're to build upon is the foundation of Christ who is your life. And as He is your life, He will, through His life, construct a holy habitat for the people of God. A temple of praise and worship. So Paul illustrates the truth that as we grow in truth through his comparison, he illustrates the truth that the disciples were not prospering in their flesh. Their flesh was actually diminishing. And you know what? That's a principle that you need to hold on to. I know that it's easy to get distracted by the world. And we begin to value what the world values. And we set it up as being the ultimate goal. And when I can get here, when I can get there, when I can do this or when I can do that, you just fill in the blank. There's all these things out here that we are distracted with and we're reaching for, we're literally grasping for. And my world will be right when these things come along. And it's so easy to forget. But here's the thing. When, when we, get, we get so sick of, of not being able to create our lone little paradise, we get so sick of the world literally and, and the situations and the circumstance robbing us of this paradise, then we become frustrated We become angry, we become bitter, and at times we're just absolutely desperate and we fall on our knees and God reminds reminds us of who we are. And He reminds us of what the blessing of life is. And He reminds us what the truth of life is. And He reminds us what the reward of this world is. And it's not in any of those things. 
It's in Christ. And you know what? When you embrace that, and when you, when you embrace the truth that I have my greatest reward within me, when you embrace the truth that I am walking with the blessing of God and I'm not looking for it, I'm literally living in it. When you embrace the truth that God literally has given me all that He counts as valuable. Did you know that? Everything that God counts as valuable, He's already given you. What you're asking for is not valuable in the, in the sight of God most of the time. And He's given you all of these things and, and immediately you begin, to, you begin to say, you know what, Jesus, You're better for me than this world. You're better for me than these goals. You are life to me. And you notice that as you walk in these things, the, the flesh... The flesh is not as important. And to the degree you want to continue to walk down that path, the flesh will diminish. How many of you have lived around a house that's gone vacant? You know what happens, right? The lawn burns up. Suddenly the roof leaks. Where'd that come from? All of a sudden, you know, there's, there's junk laying around. And then things begin to kind of move in on it. And it, you can see the house literally deteriorating. Why is that? Do we have some kind of special mojo that when we're living in the house all those things aren't there no you know what we spend the effort to keep the house up and running and looking good we are all about it at least many of us are and we keep it up but when we move out that's gone i want to tell you something when you walk according to the spirit and the flesh becomes less of a priority you'll find the flesh diminishing i'm not talking about your body rotting away although that's happening too sorry I'm talking about your desire to keep up the pretense. I'm talking about all of this extraneous effort that you that you put forth to make it all look just so. Not only that, the further you get down the trail, now look at your Bible and tell me I'm wrong. The further you get down the trail, the more God allows that flesh to diminish. Do you notice that? Look at Paul. It's the truth. The more we let go of this life, the less effort we'll spend trying to maintain the flesh. Now, I don't mean for you guys to give up your diet and start wearing rags. But I am telling you that you now have a new purpose for living. And the closer you get to that purpose, and the more you walk in line with the truth of that purpose, the more you discover that life is abundant regardless of all the things around you. Suddenly you found you have your reward. Suddenly you found you have your blessing. Alright, let's look at verse 14. I'm going to move through this fairly quickly. Paul has just described for them all of the things that he's enduring and they apparently are not in verses 11 through 13. And he begins in 4.14. He says, Now I do not write this to shame you, but to warn and counsel you as my beloved children. Now how does God see us? As His beloved children. He does not wish to shame us. You see that? He seeks to counsel us. You see, the counsel of the Lord is intended to deliver us. To bring us out of darkness into light. And Paul says, I didn't draw this comparison to shame you, but to open your eyes. To counsel you, not as a servant or a friend, but more than that. I want to counsel you out of our spiritual relationship. You see, this is based in love. The love from which you're birthed. Now here's the thing. God doesn't counsel us in the flesh. We want counsel for the flesh, but He doesn't counsel us in the flesh. He always starts with the truth of who we are in the Spirit. The flesh is ancillary. So, verse 15, he says, After all, though you should have 10,000 teachers, guides to direct you in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the glad tidings 
the gospel. Now, in Hebrew, thought, the person who taught you the law of Moses or the Torah was considered to be a father to you. Because out of your learning, out of your being conformed to the law or to the Torah, you birthed a new life. So this person was considered to be a father to you. Also in this verse, Paul uses a word that would cast him, that is Paul, as a slave guardian. Now back in that day, a slave guardian was a slave that the the owner, the master, would entrust the heir to. The young heir was entrusted to the slave guardian in order to be taught, in order to be nurtured, in order to grow up into the truth of who he was. He would literally be entrusted to bring this child along in the image of his father and his father's family. Even though he displayed love, he displayed affection and discipline, all the things that a father does towards a child, never is there any idea in that slave's mind that he would somehow supplant the position of the father. In the slave's mind, the greatest good he can do for the child is to teach him how to be the heir he was born to be. That's what Paul casts himself at. And you can readily see the truth of it. Paul's not putting on any great airs about what he does in the lives of these people. And he also says, I want you to grow in the truth. I want you to grow in who you are. For I became your father in Christ Jesus. I became your father through the glad tidings of the gospel. Christ is their source of life. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.